business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's 11 minutes past 12. And again, my apologies to you for the COVID report. Please go up to one to hear it soon because there won't be a reason for it. But again, also my apologies to Wayne. Wayne, sorry to keep you on the line for so long. That's no problem at all. Great. As usual, nothing's a problem for you. Thank you for always being here for High FM. Wayne McCurry, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Great. Um, Wayne, I haven't had uh, the opportunity to interview you yet this year, so just to wish you and your family, wherever they are in the world, everything of the best. They should just be safe and they should have a prosperous year. But uh, let's get into the nuts and bolts of uh, the economy here in South Africa and the macro picture around the world from an economic point of view. Just take us through where we stand right now at the beginning of the year, towards the end of last year, People couldn't wait to get to the beach, to get to the mountains. Yes. Actually couldn't care what was going on. They were so gutful to use the wonderful economic expression. Um, but now the year is back and uh, it's the long January is over. We're into February. Where do we stand? Look, the global situation is not that bad, actually, to be honest. I mean, even though you're getting the second wave now, so we might get a slower start to the year. Um, it's still it's still growing and it's going to grow quite strongly. In fact, so I think the global growth might surprise might surprise a little bit on the on the upside. So it's quite quite encouraging. Um, see about three three and a half percent growth. So in other words, the global economy will by the end of this year be over the the, the virus affected slowdowns. In other words, the growth this year will be more than what the economy shrank by last year globally. Um, and that's, of course, driven very much by by China. South Africa's a little bit different, unfortunately. I mean, we will grow this year. There's no there's no question coming off such a low base. You will you, We will grow. But if we don't get any reforms, and we can discuss that later on as to whether the government's going in the right path or not, but if we don't get any reforms – Probably only in 2024 will we be back in real terms to where we were at the start of 2020 as far as our economy is concerned. So we'll shrink, call it seven, seven and a half percent last year. And in the new year, you know, maybe we grow two, two and a half percent. So it's a long, hard slog for us to get back to where we were. And it's all really dependent on the government's uh, structural reform uh, and what they do about that. The little bit, unfortunately, more bad news about the South African economy is that food inflation is here. It's big and it's going to stay with us for a while. It won't affect total inflation all that much, even though it is total inflation will rise. It's definitely bottomed out, but the rise will be constrained constrained mainly for two reasons. The first reason is there's such pressure on disposable income. Most of that food inflation won't be passed through to consumers. So in other words, producers simply just can't push prices and their margins 
are unfortunately going to get squeezed. And then because of the low interest rates, rental inflation, in other words, the, the, what's used in the inflation basket to calculate the cost of the house you're living in. They don't use owner equivalent. They use a thing called rental equivalent inflation. That's actually bigger than food in the inflation basket. Wow. It's about 15% of the inflation basket. And there, there is no inflation whatsoever. But certainly food inflation is the negative. A big positive, which I think quite a few people are underestimating at the moment, is the impact that agriculture is going to have positive on our economy. We all know the rains. We're all sick of the rains. There was a little bit of sunshine through this morning. I hardly recognized it. But you've got bumper crops, massive rain, and globally extremely high food prices. So agriculture is probably going to kick in more than what people anticipate. And in fact, you don't, we don't realize this. The only economy that's really, the only sector of our economy that's really grown in the last 10 years in real terms is in fact agriculture. So better than last year, unquestionably, but not where we should be. And that ball lies in the court, in the government's court to do the correct structural reforms. No, there's no one like Wayne McCurry to take a planned interview and just go and decimate it because I had a whole lot of questions lined up. And you've sort of just taken us on a totally different tangent. And the listeners are going, the lights are, lines are all lined, lit up over here. You really hit a, a nerve there when you spoke about positivity and um, growth coming forward. Wayne, you know, that is the news that people would love to hear. But clearly from what I'm seeing on the SMS's lines, people are just asking you to drill down a little bit. You know, the one message here is that we're really suffering. We haven't been employed, my husband and I, for the last eight months. Yes. Another one, my salary's been cut by 30%. Another one, you know, that we're in a, a single, I'm a single mom. Um, my job has been cut by 25% and I only work a four-day week. Um, where did, so basically what people are saying, yes, it's all good and well, but where's this growth coming from if people aren't earning salaries? Well, look, you know, if you, when you look at, I mean, obviously there are many, many truly, uh, devastating effects on people's income and their livelihoods, uh, because of the, of, of the virus. And we must all have the greatest empathy with people caught in this predicament because it's not of their making. Just roughly on, on the jobs number before I come to talk about the, the, the questions directly, roughly speaking about 2.2 million jobs were lost at the peak of the of the actual uh, slowdown uh, of 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 the of the lockdowns. Now that has improved somewhat. There were about 600,000 jobs created in the third quarter, and probably by the end of the year, about a million jobs would still have been lost. Now that's half of what it was at the during the hard lockdown period, but it's still one million people who sit without income and without jobs, which, of course, is totally devastating. Now, to answer the, the question, the, the bounce back this year will only recoup one-third of this of the losses we made in 2020. So it's not adequate at all. And the bounce back will basically happen simply because of the economic impact was so severe last year. The moment we get down to some form of normality, uh, some economic uh, growth will happen. But now let's look past that and try and see forward what's going to happen. The government can't generate growth. 
I mean, I, I don't know whether any government worldwide can generate sustainable growth by expenditure. The government's debt situation is quite precarious. It's, you know, in 2003, I think it was, our government debt to GDP was 25%. It's yeah. now, call it 85%, and it's probably only going to stabilize at around 95 or 100%. Now, I don't want to be alarmist about that. There's still time to rectify that trajectory, but the time is running out rapidly. So, and the, only the, the private... So, there's a... There's a... Um, budget speak, speech coming yes. by the minister towards the end of this month. Wayne, let us just quickly run to the shops, take a quick sure. ad break, and we'll just pick up on that when we come back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 Hi FM, and it's 21 minutes past 12. On the line with us is, on the Zoom with us is Wayne McCurry. But before we go there, let me just tell you that if you've reached a stage where you're delving between the couch and cushions and looking under the car seats with the hopes of finding a few bucks, then it's time to SMS out insurance. They could either save you money on your monthly car insurance or you could ask them for 500 rand cash if they can't do that. If you've been claims-free for the last three years, then you can ask for 1,500 bucks. But please don't empty out your pockets, rather just call them and let an empty pocket drive you to the extreme. Call OUT. So SMS OUT on 40251. That's the word OUT, O-U-T, to 402521. And our insurance will call you back. Our insurance is a licensed insurer and FSB. T's and C's apply. Wayne, coming back, you said, yes. you know, we were talking about the government doesn't have the magic elixir or the wand or the ability, quite frankly, to create employment. We've got a speech coming up towards the end of the month where uh, Tita Inbomeni is somebody that I really wouldn't want to be right now. Um, really a, a heavy load on his shoulders. How do you see it going forward? Yeah. Look, you know, as we were chatting about, um, the private sector in South Africa has got plenty of capital. What's needed is confidence. And confidence is essentially boils down to the fact is how does the government run the country? Are they doing the right things? Are they efficient? Have we got stable legislation? In other words, the laws aren't going to change all the time. You know, in respect of the mining charter, for example, are we got, have we got definitive laws so that everyone knows how it works and we have efficient delivery of many, many services, etc., by the government? I mean, a classic example is the spectrum issue. Now, we all want to go to 5G, but ICASA has got to release spectrum essentially from the SABC or from radio and uh, analog television. Now, this has been uh, going on for 12 years. Now, apparently in March, they're actually going to auction some spectrum, even though I think it's telecoms actually put in a legal case against this auction. But be that as it may, South Africa has the potential and has had the potential for a long time now to actually truly show Strong growth driven by the private sector, but simplistically putting, the government hasn't done the right things to date. And certainly in the 10 years of ex-president Zuma, we went backwards. Now under the new, a new state president, we are going forward, but very slowly, unfortunately. Right. So to talk about uh, the finance minister and the budget. Yes. Surprisingly enough, the data that he's going to give us 
will be terrible, but it won't be as terrible as what was anticipated two or three months ago. So the central deficit two or three months ago was estimated at about 700 billion rand. In other words, the difference between what government spends and what they earn. So that was almost 15% of our economy. That number is going to be closer to 600 billion. In other words, about 13% of our economy. Now that's still catastrophic. I mean, it shouldn't be over time higher than 2% or 3%, but at least he has got a little bit more leeway now. But tax increases have to come. I mean, there's essentially the most important thing the government can do to restore confidence in the country is show a viable plan to halt the growth in their own debt. I mean, our interest costs now are chewing up is it 20 or 25% of the central expenditure. I mean, it is truly massive. It's far higher than health and education, etc. So that's the biggest single thing. And, and unfortunately, when you haven't got money, you can cut expenditure. And I think the government has shown that they're willing to do it by these freezing the salary increases. But you've also got to get in revenue. And, and right. revenue is tax. Now, what form that will take, I truly don't know. But there has got to be some tax increases. Now, the tax increases, you never want a tax increase in this environment where everyone's under stress. But the longer-term effects of not arresting the growth in government debt will be way worse than the shorter-term effects of increasing tax. Now, we could also say, what caused this? I mean, where does this problem lie? The the, the growth in government debt, probably 50% of the growth, in other words, the growth from uh, 25% to 90%, probably half of that can be attributable to the government themselves. Inefficiency, bribery and corruption, ESKIM, SOE bailouts. I mean, there's 60 billion just put into SAA. I think it right. may be even a bit more than that. But the other <laughs> half is external factors, which was the the Chinese growth slowdown, the bursting of the commodity cycle in uh, from 2000, from 2012 to 2015. And, of course, last year, probably the biggest single external factor was the virus. Now, you can argue the, the lockdown we had was too harsh, but no one knows the answer to that. Because if we didn't have a hard lockdown, you don't know what the consequences of that would have been. And in any case, it's academic because it is what it is. You know, we had the hard lockdown. So there we, that's where we sit. The situation won't be quite as catastrophic as what was anticipated in respect of tax revenues. It's not because expenditure is falling. It's just that revenue is actually higher than what people anticipated. But I, I cannot see any other way other than increasing taxes, and it probably will not be a VAT increase. So I, I don't think that will, that will happen. Um, is the cliche that the rich keep getting taxed heavier going to come into play? Well, yes. Who else do you tax? Exactly. There's no one else to tax. I mean, people always say, why you tax the rich? Simply because they're rich. There's no one else who's going to. People who haven't got money can't pay tax. The only people who have got money can pay tax. And, I mean, the government is critical. And believe, believe me on this, I've had interaction with many, many government Officials from ministers from the Reserve Bank downwards, they critically aware that we have, we are overtaxed, that if you tax any more people vote with their feet, you know, they go somewhere else, they take their money somewhere else. If taxes are too high, people start going in for 
many, many schemes, legal and illegal, to try and avoid paying the tax. They're critically aware of this, but there's no other option, quite frankly. I mean, there is nothing else we have to arrest. It's the biggest crisis. The government's fiscal position, in my view, is a bigger crisis for South Africa than AIDS and the virus. It's actually a bigger crisis because if we don't arrest this, at some time in the not-too-distant future, let's say five or ten years' time, we will truly be a basket case. Um, and that's how, that's how serious this is. And thankfully enough, I think the government realizes this. What they do about it, we'll have to see. We don't know. But they fully realize the scale that if you don't arrest this, I mean, we take junk status. It hasn't really affected our lives. The RAND, the RAND's actually quite strong. Interest rates have actually fallen 3%. The long bond is basically unchanged. So we live with junk status. But, you know, if you just keep descending more and more and more into junk status, these very benign effects we've had so far won't be around. Interest rates will, inflation will shoot up, interest rates will shoot up, the RAND will collapse, government's revenue will collapse. I mean, it will be a truly catastrophic set of circumstances. You know, um, you know, the one thing I read recently is that the government's basically run out of runway when it comes to yes. taxes. There's VATs in place, capital gains taxes in place, um, state duties, every tax is in place. Um, the only thing they can do now is just put the pressure on those existing taxes. When VAT went up 1% with that disastrous minister that we had for a short period of time, I mean, the, 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 the country was revolted by it. It was just yes. not a pleasant thing to do, but it's now part of our lives. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, one thing an income tax is, is pliable. It can, it can be sort of implemented for a period of time and then, then be adjusted backwards when, when we need to go back. Yeah. And this is what lots of people have done overseas is they said, we're in this situation now. We're applying this tax for the next two years, but they legislate that in two years time or whatever, Uh it disappears. You know. So just to, just to come back to, to one thing you said earlier, I'm currently in Israel and I've lived through this lockdown that they've, they've gone through now. It was by no means a hard lockdown, even though they tried to, to implement it. And speaking to friends and family on a daily basis and staff, um, very simply what's happened in South Africa with the last lockdown. If you look at how the numbers have decreased. Yes. South Africa has had a dramatic decrease in, in, in numbers. It, it's, it's almost miraculous. If you look at the Israeli decrease, it's almost benign. And that simply boils down to as much as we can be critical of South Africa and we can be critical of South Africans, people have complied and yes. they have arrested the spread, as simple yes. as that. And it's not the, 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 the Ks and the Macaris of, the, of South Africa that need to be uh, commended for this because we have the luxury of beautiful homes and space and internet and all those things we need. It's the poorest of the poor who yes. a lockdown affects food in the pot tonight. No space, nowhere to go, poor sanitation, poor ventilation, all the nonsense that ha- happens with poverty. And yet um, it works. And, and, and yet it works and people comply. Yeah. And sadly, as we just heard in the, in the uh, report just before we came on, at the moment alcohol's back. So do all the devil's little toys come out to play. 
and yeah. uh, people people start getting injured. Yeah. Wayne, we, we, we're running out of time, so maybe let's focus on investments for the year going forward. Last year, sure. towards the end of the year, someone lit a cracker under the JSE, and people really saw beautiful returns. I almost felt like I was, was back in the beginning of my career with these stupendous returns. How do, how do we see things going forward? Okay, on, on our domestic market, as you correctly said, we had a very strong uh, sort of end of year January surge in the market. And that was driven by an, a number of things, mainly, mainly uh, mining companies, platinum prices off spectacular gold price, general commodity prices. The tech shares obviously drove it. And in the last while, some of the domestic South African shares, the banks, etc., have pushed it through. Now, when you look at the overall valuation of our market, which is by far, I suppose, the most important thing to look at, on the face of it, our market's truly expensive. I mean, if you just look at historical numbers, and there's many numbers you can use, you know, there's no, in, in investments, unfortunately, there's no magic formula that you can use to say, is the market cheap or expensive? But if you use the most common one, which is the price-earnings ratio, it's the earnings divided by the the price. It's the highest it's ever been in recorded history at 25. It's higher than 1969. It's higher than 73, 87, 93, 98, 2003, 2008. Now, that would automatically make you scared, terribly scared. But understand, earnings have collapsed. So you're measuring the one, the price against depressed earnings. Now, if you make the assumption that normality will return to our economy at some stage and that the virus will be behind us at some stage and earnings will return to some normal level and not this very depressed level, the valuation of our market can be classified as expensive, not dramatically overvalued, but expensive, and that level is about 15%. So our market's not great at this level. There are some, in my view, some uh, small elements of value. Banking shares still look quite good. SA Financial still look quite good. If you're not adverse to a little bit of risk and you're prepared to take a longer-term view, property does look very, very cheap. But But basically, the rally that we've had in our market, and we must not... You must not forget the extent of the rally. It's actually been huge. And just just uh, some statistics on that very, very quickly. Let me just get this data up here. Just give me a second. I mean, our, our market has gone at the worst of the lockdown. I mean, at the absolute worst of the lockdown, it hit about 50,000. It's now 65,000. And in... Uh, in November last year, it was 57,000. It's now 65,000. So our market rally has actually been quite spectacular. And essentially, it's made up for five years of poor returns, literally in a couple of months. But it's, it's expensive. Global markets are very different. They are truly expensive. No matter how you try and massage the numbers and no matter how you try and justify the valuations because of low interest rates and new age and, you know, data and growth and all of these good things, no matter how you try to justify the current valuations, in my view, you cannot escape the conclusion that the U.S. market in particular is very expensive. Now, you've had spectacular returns from the 
U.S. market, as anyone will know, having invested in any money in there. I mean, the U.S. market has been on a bull run since 2010. I mean, it's been on a massive bull run. The market's up almost 300% since 2010. But it's, it's also at a dramatically high valuation, no matter what context you try and justify that valuation on. And believe me, I've been through many ups and downs. When the market's at a peak, there's plenty of reasons why it should be there. Because obviously, if those reasons weren't there, it wouldn't be at a peak. So you can, you can, you can always find a, a whole bucket full of reasons why the market should be at this level. But it still doesn't detract from the fact that it's expensive and investors must be a bit cautious. The other thing I'd like to mention very briefly is if you're a little bit worried about risk and you're a little bit concerned about things and you want something that's more stable, the SA bond market still offers fantastic above inflation returns. I mean, there you're getting inflation plus, say, 5%, 6%. You don't get that often in investments in a, a, a relatively risk-free uh, uh, asset like bonds. Fantastic. Wayne, you can see Craig's uh, gestating that we've got to get this all wrapped up. I could keep speaking to you for a long time. Once again, thank you for coming on. Sure. Thank you for clarifying things and wishing everything best of the, for the year going forward. Thanks, Avi, and the same to you. Great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for being with us, and we'll be in touch with you the same time next week. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life.